Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, NWSL analyst and broadcaster for CBS Sports. On today's episode, we have a special interview episode for NWSL playoffs ahead of the quarterfinals. A quick reminder to leave us a five-star rating and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and also head on over to our YouTube page to hit subscribe at youtube.com slash attacking third. Today, we are joined by Kansas City current midfielder and playoff bound Lo Labanta. How you doing today, Lo? Welcome to the show. Thank you. I feel like that rundown, I have to go do those steps as well right now. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I'm good. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, we're uh, we're hyped to have you and have you join up with the show. This is the first time you've been on a on attacking third, and and quite frankly, that's that's just disrespectful. I'm going to put that's our bad. That's our bad. Like you have nah. been killing it. You've been killing it with with Casey Current this year. There's been a it's been a massive massive season for for the club this year. There's there's been a lot of things to to celebrate. I'm sure a lot of milestones reached and met. Um, and we want to chat with you. Uh, all about that uh, as we're doing these interviews ahead of the quarterfinals and sort of getting into playoff mode ourselves here at attacking third we've also had to be keeping up with a lot of news uh, alongside everything going on really now we're going on like the past week or so um, and U.S. soccer release uh, the full findings of the Sally Yates uh, investigation and and the report has sort of been uh, you know getting a lot of naturally reaction and feedback by many in the space, whether it's media or current and former players. And we wanted to, you know, sort of chat with you a little bit about that sort of start off the the episode in light of all this dropping. It's it's right in the buildup to this quarterfinal. So we just wanted to ask you as someone who's been around in the league for a little while, what was it like sort of having to navigate uh, this week, knowing that this was was coming, that it dropped and having to react to that and then still having to prepare for a quarterfinal in front of you? Yeah, I mean, the entire team I can speak for my team only because that's the people I've been around since it came out and it was extremely heavy I think uh for me personally when this stuff happened again I've been in the league I came in the league in the third year and I've known all this happened I've interacted with a lot of these things I mean you saw me in the in the report I am able to quote and stuff so I've been I was angry. I was very angry in the beginning. And then when it came out and just read through it and saw the reactions, I was just really sad. I was sad that this is what it took, that it had to be exposed on this type of level for changes to be made. And again, for all the girls who spoke out and came and were able to be comfortable to it, you know, just so people know and understand that this is what's going on. Like kudos to them, man. Like they are the most powerful woman in this league. 
So again, it was heavy. I think this is probably one of the, I hope I don't get fined for this. One of the only times that NWSL got their scheduling right to give us, you know, that extra week in order to just process that before having to go into game because all the, all the players right now are on international break break. I don't know. I don't know how they did it. I could, I could barely juggle a ball this week. You know, it's just heavy in those feelings. So again, all the players who are still playing right now, um, I think they're very strong as well. So we already knew women were strong, strong, but these players have just shown they're even stronger. Angry, sad. I think those are perfect emotions to describe how a lot of people are feeling about this situation. And Lo, you mentioned it. You've been in the league since 2015. You're a veteran. Uh, you knew about a lot of these things. Did you ever expect it to come to light in this type of way with an investigation? Um, is this how you kind of imagined it to come about or did you ever think it was going to come out? Honestly, I did not think this big of a reaction was going to come from this. I didn't think an investigation from one of the, you know, an attorney, a infamous attorney, you know, I didn't think it was going to come down to this because I think it said, it mentioned a little bit in the report that as players, we would go to national team players and be like, Hey, can you tweet this out or bring light to this? Because nobody in our club is doing anything about it. Can we use your, your fame, you know, your followers, because women's soccer has a great following and they will go and support us no matter what. So that, that was our way. And now that it finally took this to, you know, to bring all of this to light, it I'm, it's good that it's got there. It's just tragic that it had to come to this point And for this long, you know, sort of to sort of um, maybe transition us a little bit. So let's maybe close out with this, like for, for you, not only just being a, a veteran of this league, a longtime player here within it, but, you know, playing with Kansas City right now um, and this week in front of you all, what is sort of like the energy or the mentality uh, amongst you and your teammates? Uh, have you all sort of discussed things together as a group or individually um, to sort of maybe, you know, we always hear about so much about how players have to compartmentalize things. Has is, is, is that been discussed in terms of the the, the lead up to this week? Yes and no. It's the first day when the report came out and we had training um, or that we had a couple of days off. I think the the club knew we were going to need some time. So we actually had those days off when it first came out. And then I just put a group in the uh, message in the group saying, you guys, you know, this is a lot. I know a lot of our team is young and you don't know, but the people mm-hmm. who do know, even if you didn't know, if you need more time, use those days. We have so long until our game. Don't even think about the game. Think about yourself right now. And I will continue to say in every one of my interviews, I completely love the squad we have because everybody showed up and we had a team discussion the next day. And we just, we just sat in there, you know, with all the emotions and people shared some stories and feelings, and it was very powerful. And I, I think it just brought us together more. And we've made jokes before that trauma has brought some of us closer together through this league as bad as it sounds, but we have gotten closer through it. So it was that week of training was a lot. It was physically demanding as well. Cause again, we're pushing for the playoff game. So now that I think we've kind of went through that together, this new week of training, we've really started to focus on playing Houston this Sunday. 
Yeah. I mean, talk about a transition low. Thanks so much for, mm-hmm. for giving me that softball here. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great to hear that the team really comes together for, for everything on the pitch, off the pitch. And I think that's really been a theme this year in watching Kansas city current, because when you look at the 2021 season for this KC side expansion team in the league, you finished last in the league. Uh, you only won three games and then a complete... Keep reminding me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have to keep reminding you about that because, well, it was a complete turnaround this year. 13-game yeah. undefeated streak for a stretch there, 10 wins, clinching a playoff spot. It's been a complete turnaround for this team. What is the biggest difference that you've noticed in this team as a whole from last season until this season? I think this year it's literally taken every single individual. I think a lot of... Last year, you know, we didn't even start from base one there. We didn't even have a baseline. We just kind of threw 11 players out there and we're like, go do you. And that can only work for, I think, individual sports. But I think this year we, you know, coach came in. He said, let's start here. Let's start very basic. And a lot of the older players like Sam and Lynn, for example, we were just like, well, we need more. What do we do here? What do we, what formation and all that? He was just like, no let's work on mentality first. And we were just like, all right. And then we bought in and literally everybody bought in. We're probably, I would say numbers wise, one of the fittest teams. I mean, I hope so. We run so much, we (laughs) lift so much. So uh, kudos to the staff because they implemented a style. And I think even more credit to the players because we just bought in and we fully did it. So I would say mentality for sure is something that changed this year. I don't want to, I don't want to come on here and, and brag to you, but you know, we had, a, we do a lot of content over here. And one of the things that we did in a three is, is during the off season, we were like, you know, what if we were like, we're ambitious and did like some really way too early, like bold predictions for Kansas city. And we said, Kansas city is going to be a top five team in this year. And look, love to come back. We went on record, like early, early, early this year, like January, February, even. Yeah. yeah. No, they're going to do it. We recorded it in the podcast. I wrote it on.com. I was like, let's go come through. You guys spoke it into existence. I appreciate you guys. And credit to you guys as well. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, where I'm going with this though, is part of, part of, you know, us and in the media sort of going out there and, and, and feeling, you know, confident enough to maybe even make a, a pick like that. But it, it's, it was sort of everything that we were seeing out of, out of Kansas city and, and, and the franchise and sort of what they were doing in the off season to try to get this club pointed in the right direction. And I just sort of feel like there's so, always something new coming out of this trench, whether it's been with like the training facilities or, or talking about the, the stadium that that's to come for you all and the shift to, to children's mercy park for, for this season. And, and even the, the player movement that we saw, right. But, but ultimately, um, you know, losing those players to, to injury and this team still sort of uh, rallying around each other to go on, on the run that you all have, have done and in terms of like, just sort of putting the regular season to bed, you know, the postseason is just beginning. So it's a different energy in that. But even just maybe getting a little reflective with the regular season. Talk to me about how proud you are of this team. I mean, we, everybody who was on the team last year, we were just like, if if someone told you that we were going to go on a third, (laughs) it never, ever. I mean, 
we were bottom of the table. I mean, you can run the stats back to me again, three loss or three <laughs> wins. Yet. Like it was crazy. We were in, you know, we were in trailers. It was just, it was not great. I know I even joked a few times, like, I should have just got pregnant this year and had, you know, had to come back when the stadium was back or something. But it was, again, me finding finding the joy in like the really bad moments. But no, our team, we laugh about it so much, which again, coming together through our trauma, which is just so sad. But it, you know, we enjoy it and you can tell how much the team enjoys each other with with our team celebrations, you know, after the goals, we come together always. We come together after the game. We have meetings before and after training. So we truly do just soak it all in. But then at the end of the day, we're like, all right, well, now we got to go to battle again this weekend. So let's bring it one more time. Going to battle week in and week out. I mean, you're doing it. And Lo, you're one of the players uh, leading that that fight into battle because you set a personal best record this season, seven goals for yourself in a single season, tied for the most in NWSL with five PKs this year. Um, I want to know offensively, what was working so well for you? How were you able to find so much of the back of the net? Um, tell me everything about all the goal scoring this year from you. Yeah. Well, shout out to all the refs giving me PKs because that's a lot of them. <laughs> um, but no, I, I just did an interview recently and they were like, what, what changed for you? Why are you, why are you scoring and stuff? And I was just like, well, I've done it before. It's just, I've usually had to play more of like the dirty role, you know, of defending and staying back. So this year our coach said, well, you have to do that as well as get up in the box and get in the attacking third. <laughs> He's literally said, everybody, like, just send numbers, get us up there. And I think it helps, too. I mean, I have people that have come in now, like CeCe Kaiser and Claire Lavajay. Like, they are attacking-minded people, and they want to score. So someone in that, with Kristen Hamilton as well, someone in that four of us around the goal are going to score. And, you know, if we if we get up there and just shoot, right, shoot your shot, it's going to go in eventually. I want to talk to you about a little bit about that. You touched on it. You know, sometimes there's the the concept of, of a franchise sort of making a, a midseason move or two. And in the current case, there were a couple that made, you mentioned Kaiser, you mentioned Lavoger. Uh, can you talk about maybe uh, having to make the adjustments to, to, to integrating newer players into the system moving forward at, at that point in the season? Yeah, I mean, bringing those two players especially I just name dropped those two because they're two of my favorite um they're just so good on the ball they understand the game they can make anything happen in any moment so I think they were very easy additions into our system because we wanted to attack and that's what they do you know so it's very easy to implement that into their um into our system and then it's just you know getting them on the page of defending where we pride ourselves on set defending set pieces defending throwing so that took them not even a couple days because uh English second language for Claire and uh but you know we got it so I I think it's very those were probably the easiest additions I've ever had on a team so there are so many, there are so many things that you you can't do as an individual in in soccer, whether it's um, passing, defending, right, even scoring goals. You always need your teammates. But Lo, mm-hmm. you have found um, an incredible skill in, in soccer in your goal celebrations. 
whether it's faking an injury, the golf putt, you've always kept <laughs> things interesting on the pitch. I want to know about the inspiration for these goal celebrations. How did they come about? Who's the genius behind them? And is it you? Uh, I, yes. On the podcast, <laughs> I was like, yes. Off the podcast, I don't know. Um, no, majority of them I have come up with on my own, but I cannot claim the fake the injury one. I actually uh, got that one from an Argentinian football player. It was somebody tagged me in it and I was, they were just saying, imagine if you did this. And I said, don't imagine, like I'll do it. I will literally <laughs> do it. And yeah, I think you guys actually posted it and yours is the one that has gone like viral. Someone yeah. even used it today or like a meme, like some, I don't know, some <laughs> verified account. And I was like, this relatable, relatable. Really? And my dad actually sent it to me. He was like, they're still showing your shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we love the shenanigans. Yeah, yeah. More shenanigans. So uh, anything planned for playoffs? Can can we get a, a sneak peek? Oh, no. Because my <laughs> I think my celebrations work so well because they're with an element of surprise. Good. I think that the fake the hamstring one for sure. Like, I'll never top that one because nobody thought I would ever celebrate like that. Um yeah, I always tell the girls have one ready because if they're thinking of scoring, you know, that's what I need. I obviously love the celebrations, but they want to score to do the celebration. Well, so I was like, I'll take the goal. You do whatever for this Sally. I'll, I'll join you. I'll be behind you, but let's get the goals first. Oh yeah. No, I'm with you hundred percent. You got to yeah. keep them guessing. You got yeah. to, you got to build the anticipation and let them know you got to keep them watching for sure. Uh, exactly. yeah, I loved it. I, I, um, we've been enjoying all of, all of the, the goal celebrations. I mean, the first one with the faking of the hamstring, I, I did, I was one of those people reacting. Oh my to gosh. I was, yeah. right I was like, give her the MVP right yeah, now. Let's, let's do it. Um, I mean, yeah, the so initial reaction was like, Oh no, what are they going to do without low? Like, no, how could she yeah. do this? How could she hurt herself? But uh, yeah, I mean, it's hilarious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, someone just told me there was a player that actually, there was a male player recently that took a PK and actually tore his hamstring, but oh, they no. thought he was doing the fake one. Cause I've been getting tagged in videos where like Sunday league teams have been doing it or like you nines. And I'm like, Oh my God, I have children out here twerking. If this is my <laughs> legacy, no, this it cannot be it. But the guy actually got hurt. And I was like, see, this is why I had to warn my athletic trainer. Like, Hey, yeah. if I score, just know I'm not hurt. He's like, what do you mean by that? I'm like, you'll see. You'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The collaborate, the collaboration is important yeah. on, the, on the goal celebrations. Don't yeah. Underestimate it. Let's, uh, let's, let's, let's maybe get a little bit more serious now. Houston dash your opponent coming up for the quarterfinal. Um, we, we, you started talking a little bit about challenge cup and we were chatting a little bit off mic and I'm going to bring it on mic here. Challenge cup happened. It almost feels forever ago. Uh, but something I've noticed in covering the regular season, it's been something about those teams with that familiarity between each other, having played each other more than twice at this point in the regular season. And we're going to see that with Kansas city and Houston going up against an opponent that you do have so much familiarity with. Uh, let's, uh, let's maybe focus in on that. What, what's perhaps the preparation look like going into a postseason, going into a quarterfinal against a team that you played already a few times. Yeah, we actually, we have this joke about Houston because ever since the implementation of the challenge cup, we play them like 12 times a year. Mm -hmm. And we say, we literally say like, 
wow, we, we see Houston dash more than our family. Like they're just our family at this point. It's crazy. The matchup and you know, I, I can look back on the stats, but I actually think majority of my goals I've scored are against Jane Campbell, who was like my protege in college. Like she was like my girl. And so it's just funny. We have a running joke in Stanford. Like but what I thought you and Jane were cool. Like you only score on her. And I go, man, I, I hope so this weekend. <laughs> I hope I continue to do that, but love the girl. And the crazy thing about Houston is they've come, we've played them so many times this year, but they've completely changed because they have, I shouldn't say completely changed, but they have a new coach. Mm-hmm. So they have a different style and they're just, they've been doing really well lately too. So as much familiar familiarity we have playing them I think it's going to be a completely different game because things have changed I mean we have different players from when we played them last time so I think it's everybody should be on their toes because nobody's going to know what's happening in this one. Oh, I love that. I love that. This yeah. was, maybe we're, we're getting our, maybe we're getting our uh, title for this show already, you know, anticipation <laughs> that's going to be yeah. Uh, for this one, Lo, we we always like to sort of close out our our interviews with a bit of fun. The players, although we've already been having some fun on on, on this, talking about the goal celebrations uh, and everything, but something that we've been asking uh, guests on on the pod. It usually uh, revolves around uh, the sort of either pre-training or post-training or pre-game or post-game kind of go-to beverage. Like people hit us with their coffee order, or people hit us up with their non-coffee order. I wanted to have a little bit more fun with you because I feel, again, like you are going to feel where I'm going with this. In the Mm -hmm. event that Kansas City Current, go ahead and win that quarterfinal. What are you going to be sipping on postgame in the locker room? Oh, I bet you everyone, as I have a full bar behind me, um, uh, everybody on my team knows my drink order and it's tequila. So that is exactly what I'll be doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I love, love to that. hear it. Summer yep. sister. I appreciate exactly. it. I love it. I love to hear it. Uh, we always love to thank everyone at the end of our uh, episodes as well for listening. So thanks to everybody for tuning in and listening to our interview here with uh, Lola Banta. Thank you so much, Lola, for joining us on Attacking Third. Congrats and good luck in the quarterfinal. Reminder to catch Lola Banta and Kansas City Current against the Houston Dash in the first round of playoffs this Sunday, October 16th on Paramount+. Plus. Thanks so much to Lola Banta for joining us. Now we have Katie Naughton of the Houston Dash. We are joined by Houston Dash defender Iron Woman, one of five of the league and four Houston Dash. Katie Naughton, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you. We were like so amped to, to see the see that we were going to be able to, to interview you ahead of the uh the quarterfinal. You're joining us as Houston is on the verge of hosting their first ever playoff. Congratulations are in order there. So congrats. Um, there's definitely be a been a little bit of a shift this week as we look ahead to the quarterfinals. It's been a heavy week or so, less eight or nine dates. Uh, there was the release of the U.S. soccer uh, Sally Q. Yates investigative report. And so notably, there's been a little bit of a shit to transition, having to go from perhaps reacting to something like that, having uh, heavy conversations around that individually as, t- as teammates, you know, friends, family, and then also having to sort of mix that and combine that with preparations for something like a playoff. So 
let's just start with that. We'd like to ask you how you are doing, uh, if you have any reactions to that and sort of, uh, you know, where the, the team is at right now in, in the midst of all that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you said, it, it's been a heavy couple of weeks, but after the report dropped, I think all of us were a bit relieved to see that the Yates report did find that things had been going on wrong in the league and finally starting to address it. And hopefully justice will be served for players that had to go through some pretty traumatic and horrible experiences. But I think for us as a club and maybe as a league collectively, I think we're just trying to take it day by day and make sure that we're looking out for each other, looking out for ourselves, getting the proper, you know, care that we need, whether it be therapy, mental health resources, whatever it is. Um, Mm -hmm. We're just all trying to look out for each other to the best of our ability. And yeah, I think for a lot of us, soccer is an escape. So um, being able to train still is a, is a blessing and to have that be our outlet is, is really great. And I think we're all trying to take advantage of that right now. Is it, uh, is it just about maybe finding the, the simple things and trying to find, uh, you know, the joys of, of just sort of being each other and preparing for a big game right now? Yeah, 100%. I think a big motto for us this year has been trying to celebrate the little victories. So that comes in many shapes and sizes and forms. And I think we've done a really good job of that throughout the year. And this is no exception. So whenever someone makes a great tackle or scores a banger in training, like we all try and celebrate all those moments. So um, we're just continuing to do that to the best of our ability. Not only celebrating the little victories that you guys have accomplished, but you've made it into the postseason for this Houston Dash team. This is huge. You've not only made it, but Houston gets to host a quarterfinal. And as a team, as you're shifting your mindset to prepare to host and compete in the playoffs, um, it's so easy to look back and reflect on the 2020 Challenge Cup when Houston lifted that trophy. You were part of that championship team, but now it's it's the NWSL regular season postseason. How does this prep for a quarterfinal match in the NWSL playoffs, um, how is that different than the Challenge Cup run in 2020? Yeah, so obviously 2020 was amazing for us uh, given the circumstances, but this just feels very different for me, at least. Um, I I just feel like we've done so much over the course of the last three years since I've been here, at least, and it's finally starting to show and pay off. And um, I think a lot of people kind of wrote us off. They kind of thought that the Challenge Cup in 2020 was a fluke for us. And now we're in the postseason, in a regular season uh, playoff run, and it's just incredible. And, and now we're starting to kind of gain some respect, I think, and some notoriety, which is incredible. I think we're on the verge of selling out our stadium, which would be incredible. I know we've already broken the attendance record in terms of sales. So hopefully that continues to grow and we really just make a statement. I mean, we've come this far, so why not keep going? I love to hear you sort of speak about how this year was a little bit of of an opportunity or a challenge that you all sort of embraced as a team, sort of looking back just at that challenge cup and then to 21 and then 2022, it's a little bit different, right? The energy of, of a challenge cup versus a long regular season. It's a real grind. And sometimes teams find themselves in the mix and sometimes teams find themselves out of it. And with 2021 came down to a final decision day there. It was tough. 
some things didn't go the team's way, but this year, much different. You all have uh, gone on an incredible run, and it was really cool to see the Dash have certain stretches or phases of the season where they went on these incredible runs. What was it about this particular regular season that sort of was so different for you or, or has felt special in different ways compared to 2020 or 2021? Yeah, I mean, I think given the end of last season in 2021, we missed out by one point. So we were all pretty pissed that that was the case. And we knew that this year, every game was going to matter. We knew every single point was going to add up in the end. And it did. I mean, it was such a tight table for pretty much the entirety of the season. So I think that was just always in the background of our, of our minds. And, uh, yeah, we, I mean, we definitely went through some adversity, but I think honestly that kind of brought the group closer together. Um, we just really wanted to fight for each other. And if someone was having a bad day, like everyone else around them was going to, you know, help pick up the slack and we've done a good job. And I, I'm really positive with how we're going to be in this next game and hopefully continue that trend. Katie, you just talked about it, how Houston is the entire city of Houston is so excited for this playoff game. Over 14,000 tickets sold are continuing to push that number higher and higher. There are huge fan fest preparations, but I want to know from your perspective, you're, you're laced up in your boots. You're standing on the pitch. What is the difference between an away regular season game versus a home packed stadium playoff game for you as a player yeah I mean I don't really know if there are words to describe that um I have from previous experience have had the opportunity to have a home playoff game in the league and it was a game changer for us um it's pretty much the 12th man for us out there you know they support you when you're doing well they boo the refs when there's bad calls so um I'm just I'm so excited to you know kind of showcase our talent to the city of Houston because They've been with us through everything, and um, this is just one way of giving back to everything that they've done for us and the fans that are just so incredible here. We're excited to witness it, too. I mean, all of that stuff just sort of sets the scene for everything. It's been very excited to exciting to sort of see how uh, the club is really sort of making this push to ensure that there's a great experience for everyone involved, those in the stands and the players on the pitch. In terms of still sticking with things on the pitch, for, for you this season, something else that's come out of it is uh, you earned Iron Woman honors and the league put out a really cool graphic the other day uh, highlighting about five players or so who uh, share though that that honor for, for the league. But for Houston, it's, it's absolutely uh, yours playing every single minute of this regular season. What What is it about center backs like holding it down for their back lines this year? What, what was this like the type of responsibility that was it something that you anticipated at all? Um, you know, I, I never really anticipate being an iron woman. I think I just, you know, do whatever I can for the team. And if that involves me playing every minute, so be it. If not, then that's okay too. But um, I'm just really grateful that I was able to stay healthy and um, fit throughout the entire season and knock on wood that continues. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we just have some really incredible resources here that make sure that all of us get the care and treatment that we need. So we are prepared to, you know, take the field every day um, and then every weekend for the games. 
super iron woman, super defender, Katie. That's really what you are. But uh, you've got some incredible teammates as well. You've got forwards, Ebony Salmon, Maria Sanchez, Nichelle Prince, um, Michelle Losey, Michaela Obama. Uh, these players are doing incredible things on the pitch. They're scoring goals and they're putting defenses under so much pressure. But you, as a defender, go against them every single day in training. And I'm a former defender. I've got to know what, what is the hardest part about defending against the Houston dash forwards because they are so talented. Yeah, that's a great question. I think I'm so lucky that I do get to go up against players of such caliber every day because it only makes me a better player and teammate. Um, and it really gives me an appreciation for their position. Um, but yeah, I mean, pretty much our entire front line is just so crafty and fast and, so quick on the turn and dribble. So it's exciting to see them do that on the field, but it's really difficult to defend against it every day. And sometimes, you know, it takes a shot at your confidence, <laughs> but um, I think it's great, you know, that I, I do get that ability and so much credit to them because they're putting in the extra work every day and making sure they're staying sharp and, and on top of it. So I just, I like it when I can just sit back and watch them do their thing up front. And I'm like, keep oh, yeah. there, guys. It's great. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I've got to know, are there any like nutmeg challenges during practice or have they ever gotten you? Do you ever get them? What's, what's the battle there? So not usually in the drills. Um, if that yeah. does happen, that's embarrassing. But um, <laughs> we do 5v2 pretty much every day, rondos. So I think the person that actually megs people the most is probably Sophie Schmidt. She gets everyone. Nice. Like she just times it up and gets you good. So, um, yeah, she's probably the nutmeg queen on our team, but crafty, yeah. Yeah. crafty, crafty veterans. look at you every time. I swear. <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's, uh, let's chat. We've been a little, we've been a little bit reflective and, uh, talking about the season as a whole. I kind of want to stay with, with that energy for a little bit in, in this question, because in this quarterfinal, y'all are going up and hosting Kansas city current. And when we're looking back a little bit at 2022 as a whole, We've got two teams who have played each other a handful of times now in this in this year. So there's always that concept of like, is familiarity going to lead to, uh, you know, a more interesting game, perhaps between these uh, these two teams. So for you, having played Kansas City current a couple of times in the Challenge Cup, a couple of times in the regular season, now looking ahead to, to postseason, uh, what are you looking forward to going up against them potentially for a fifth time here? Yeah, I think they're probably one of the teams that we've played the most this season. So it's really going to be just a, I think, tactical battle for a lot of it because we have played them so much, um, but they have a pretty stacked team. So um, we got to just make sure that we keep their key players at bay and impose our style and will on them as fast as possible because they've shown that they can capitalize and capitalize often. So um, if we can stick to our game plan and minimize theirs, I think that's our best shot of, you know, securing a victory and, and moving on in the playoffs, but it's going to be a fun game. I think we're a good matchup for each other. And I think it's been a pretty back and forth battle throughout this season um, with us. So yeah, I mean, time will tell, but I'm confident in our side. 
it has been a battle and so many matchups between the challenge cup and the regular season between Houston and Kansas city. And as we talked about, you're the iron woman, you've played in all the games and all the minutes. When you look back at Houston's matches against Kansas city specifically, is there anything that stands out to you that you remember the most from those games, whether it's um, something that Kansas city did that you guys really turned around in training that next week, or, or maybe something Houston did or a specific <laughs> play or, or anything that your team did that's so memorable from those matches? Yeah, I mean, they're a super transitional team and they've got some pace up front. So for us, I think it's just making sure that we don't give them that many transitional opportunities. Um, and then they are, they're really 